0: Hello and welcome to All Systems Argo. In this episode, we'll be taking a look at the 2016 Best Picture winning film, Moonlight. Directed and written by Barry Jenkins, Moonlight is a carefully crafted coming-of-age drama that presents all the hallmarks of a masterpiece. But how will it fare against Argo? It's unclear. (laughs) Enjoy the episode.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome to our second episode of the Argo Rule.
2: Hello, kind viewers. This is Ian, your friendly neighborhood editor, with an explanation about the name of the podcast. As you may notice while listening to this episode of the podcast, there are times when we refer to this podcast as the Argo Rule. But it is listed in Stitch or Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are listened to, as All Systems Argo. This is because, against the editor's will, Jamal and Jess decided to change the name of the podcast after recording episodes of the podcast, but before releasing episodes of the podcast. I mean, the original name was fine. It was okay. It was going to work. It wouldn't make a difference. Only our friends are going to listen to this anyways, but they had to do it, you know, and it's fine. It's okay. I'm not mad, but I'm definitely not editing out the background AC in this recording. But anyways, that's the explanation. Jamal and Jess changed the name after recording, but we didn't want to re-record, and I didn't want to have to go into every part of the episode where they said the Argo rule and replace it with All Systems Argo. So yeah, that's the explanation, and uh, just, Jamal, I hope it was
1: fucking worth the show where we decide if Oscar-winning movies are better or worse than the movie Argo. <laughs> yeah, so today we're watching Moonlight, the 2016 Oscar-winning uh, movie uh, directed by Barry Jenkins, and of course, we do have a guest here, our first guest of
2: the show. Hi, I'm Ian, and dry humor is my real passion.
0: Oh, <laughs> tell me that that's not your
2: Tinder bio. That is my Tinder bio.
0: No, Ian. I it's funnier though. Know. It's
2: funnier in context. I don't. Is it?
0: Is it? I mean, the context of you. Like I
2: ended with an exclamation point, so it's funnier written. <laughs>
0: Like, written, it's just, like... Written, it just (laughs) slaps. Pulls all the ladies. Oh,
2: no, I've gotten, like, a few matches. Yeah, but, like... So you pulling or what, man? Well, I don't know. Got, like, three matches, and then I realized I don't really have the time or energy to date right now. You know... (laughs) Mm-hmm.
0: i understand that makes that. that
2: makes sense <laughs> but mm-hmm. anyways enough about that
0: <laughs> <Anywho>. <laughs> on the other hand
2: <laughs> episode
1: two of the argo rule uh, so we watched moonlight as we previously stated uh, jess and ian had either of you seen moonlight before
0: i had not i told myself i was gonna watch it Mm -hmm. uh but i never got around to it i was like okay i'm gay this is a gay movie i should watch (laughs) it but i never got around to it
1: yeah right it's it to to anybody who's black and not straight you i mean
0: (laughs) you feel like you have to. i felt like i should have watched it way earlier right
1: You feel like it needed to have happened years ago, and it and here had. we are. No, so Ian White person, what? Uh, how about you?
2: <laughs> I uh, I also had not watched it, um, mm. and also <laughs> had wanted to watch it, like pretty much since it was in theaters.
1: Likely story. Likely yeah.
2: story. Seems like
1: a lie. I mean, if we don't watch it, it's fine because it, yeah, it's cool. We're black, and you know. But you,
0: <laughs> you definitely should have yeah, watched. It's it. Like it's cultural like, you... phenomenon. It's like, I'm... what are you doing, man? Yeah, <laughs> often
1: c- considered one of the best movies of the 21st century. What are you doing, Stop. Ian?
0: It's I'm like sorry. every white person that told me to, that you have to watch. Sorry to bother you. <laughs> Why you haven't seen it? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I also have not seen. Sorry, not sorry to bother you. Me neither. I have.
1: It's really good. Like, <laughs> that annoyed me like crazy. Yeah, but it's really good.
0: It's so good. I should not yeah. have waited to watch it.
1: I mean, I, partially why I didn't is it looked like a real bummer. It and did. It looked it sadder
0: is. than it actually is. It looked what? It looked way sadder than it actually was. Really? Like, don't I get me wrong. Like it was... still shook my emotions and. It was a lot to watch, but I mm-hmm. definitely thought, I, honestly, most movies with LGBTQ casts, usually somebody dies, and this is true. usually the rule of Hollywood is let's kill some gays, so it wasn't as sad as I thought it was going to be.
1: The only person to die in this movie is straight Mahershala Lee
0: exactly totally changed my mind about the way the movie was going Ian, Ian, what about you what'd you think
2: i i liked it a lot i mean it's hard for me to talk about a movie that i like because just like uh there were some very like powerful moments the way they sort of split it up in three to kind of show him as like a little kid and then then high school and then you know like later in life i i can't really i don't know there were several moments in this movie where i cried honestly
1: um, there's some. i don't think it's i heavy. cried but there's some real real but, heavy moments
2: yeah but i still like i'm glad i watched it you know yeah mm-hmm. um
1: okay well that's so. moonlight let's jump though no. <laughs> jess how about i'm gonna let you kick this off what do you <laughs> give me something you thought what do you want to talk about in moonlight <laughs>
0: It's so wrong that I really wanted to talk about it starting on Every Nigger is a Star. (laughs) Uh, Because I watched it subtitled because that's how I watch my movies. And I saw that come up at the bottom and lost it. (laughs) <laughs> i was I, like no that's not a real song that's not what's going on
1: brief uh, aside with uh, boris Gardner's every nigger is a star i the first time i heard that was like the beginning of um to pimp a butterfly and yeah. right after it came out I, I we were i was at college and i went to a friend's dorm a white friend's dorm and he Kicked the doors open to the common area, blasting that song no. at me. Who? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say.
0: You name. know what? Don't protect their identity. <laughs> Lips sealed. Zip zip.
1: He's a lot cooler now. It's fine. <laughs> it was really, 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 really funny. Um, in both senses. Uh, great song, though. What a wonderful song. <laughs> Anyway, the rest of the movie kind of goes downhill, huh?
0: Yeah, it starts off on that you're laughing about that in the beginning uh, as a high note. And then it just gets sadder and sadder and sadder.
1: (laughs) What about Janelle Monae, though? I did not know Janelle Monae was going to be in this movie.
0: It was such a great surprise. I love Janelle Monae.
1: I was watching Homecoming which had her, and I was like, oh, Chanel Monet!" seeing her on my screen. Whoa, there she
0: is! (laughs) Yeah, oh, fire. Uh, Also, I love the costuming, but that's a side part. Yes,
1: yes. The costuming, and I mean, look, everybody talks about it, but the lighting.
0: So good. It can light black people. Yeah, I was like, man, they don't look washed out. They don't look ashy. They don't look too shiny. They look... Perfect. They look beautiful.
1: They got dark-skinned people. They got light-skinned people. They all look good.
0: Yes. Oh.
1: It rules.
0: Also, I this I also liked that uh Kevin, and I know we're gonna get more into characters later, but I liked that Kevin called Shirom Black. Yeah. I, I thought that was like a good touch. I, I loved Kevin. I loved
1: Everything about Kevin, both teen and adult.
0: Yeah. And he was also in, uh, what was the name of that Netflix series? When They See Us? Was yeah, it he was in When They See Us. And that, now that made me cry like a baby. As soon, <laughs> I as, as, soon as I saw it, him, I, I was blown. I was already ready. I have not. I I
1: need to. Astounding list, actor
0: but. and performer.
1: He's uh he's 22 also.
0: Just, wow, you go, my g! It's
1: yeah. always wild when the actors are younger than like we are. Have like, confidence, yeah. happening king.
2: more and more, and we're like the pop stars and stuff. Yeah. Hate
1: that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you were too funny.
2: But yeah, one of uh, my notes was uh Kevin is by Icon by honestly, honestly yes
0: <laughs> we love a by King look. <laughs> Iconic, iconic we're, big, iconic, we're
1: big fans of Bicons here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Bicons are the only icons. Ay- Yo. Mm-hmm. I
1: love the jump from teen Kevin to adult Kevin.
0: Yeah. He's yeah. so much like, ah. What a vibe. Yeah, he like yeah. settled down, created and cultivated a life of his own from the life where he felt like he had to impress people and fit into a certain mold. And he just settled into... A different life
1: the only the only major funny thing i found in the movie in the diner where kevin works they serve cereal <laughs> they, they have like seven boxes of cereal on the on the they wall do not. it's insane i paused oh, it to oh go really Wait, what
2: what are you that's a good idea
1: no. Uh, no,
0: it's not. Cereal doesn't Ooh, go why bad. Would you out to get cereal?
1: A friend of the podcast and uh, Brunch Sucks member, David, lives in <laughs> Chicago, stated to me when I told him this, yeah, diners have cereal. Sometimes you just want to get some cereal at a diner.
2: What is but that? The what? real question is, why would you get cereal when Kevin is cooking?
0: Honestly. Dude. Yes. Moonlight was just a very good Coming of age story that engaged bisexuality, blackness, toxic masculinity, yeah. cycles of violence and manhood.
1: And like, um, I mean, we mentioned Marshall wear wear? Ali a little bit, but Juan is such a great character too. Oh, yeah. yeah. He and Teresa are great.
0: I loved how real it felt. The way that Juan is introduced and confronted by his own sort of like hypocrisy in living on the other side of town while also engaging in something that creates problems in the community that he's a part of
1: yeah and he dies and it's not obviously not on screen and it's like it just makes sense. It just is what would happen, and it's sad. And the characters have already moved on.
0: Honestly, the one of the most striking scenes in Moonlight to me was the scene where Juan confronts Chiron's mother and yeah, her boyfriend. Yeah, well, boyfriend, quote unquote.
1: We're not sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: But like her calling him out uh, for. <laughs> literally uh, feeding her addiction and also mocking him with the idea that he could raise her child in this weird shared knowledge they have of the fact that, you know, her son is gay. It was definitely a very tense scene. It, It just felt so layered and it definitely made me weeby.
1: Yeah. And and also just the evolution of how his mother has shown like where she seems at the first scene maybe a little bit inattentive but I mean worried sick about him and responsible and relatively punishes him but not in an unkind, you know, unreasonable way and then just that descent as the time goes on is really striking until the end until her final like cycle.
0: It in, yeah. it also It felt real too in the sense of like, it seemed like she worked at like a medical center and knowing people Mm -hmm. who work at hospitals and medical centers, the ease in which uh, folks that work at hospitals sometimes become engaged with addiction or experience addiction is pretty common um, as a difficulty that happens for those folks. So seeing that decline... And the way that it it just made it feel real because it felt like it could have been connected to something. The way that it showed that she started off having, you know, this this real job, caring for her son, doing her best, but it not quite being enough to protect him to, you know, that slow slide into the way that addiction can impact every facet of your life.
1: And I I really like how, I guess, how the time jump stars are used to show the -hmm. character's growth without necessarily needing to show, like, we don't need to know the specifics of what happens to Paula's character. We just see her at three very different points in time and fill in the blanks.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's the same thing, you know, with Chiron, our main character, where, Mm -hmm. you know, we see him first engaging with masculinity as a young person fighting with Kevin and being asked to prove himself there. We also see that contrasted with the femininity of him growing up too early, taking care of himself, doing all these different, like, house tasks. Yeah. And then he's got to engage... With fighting, you know, in school, and then time skip again, and he's full circle, leaned into that masculinity, and he chose essentially who he was going to be. But did he really, right? Yeah,
1: no, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a, I mean, it does a really, really good job of interrogating how choices and environment shape who we are and how much they can really affect us.
2: Also with the time jumps, it's like there's character development, but also in a way where you still recognize like the original character. Chiron doesn't turn into some sort of like extroverted socialite or something. Yeah, like you Kevin. Still he's, still, he's still shyer, more introverted. And, you know, Kevin's always a little bit more gregarious and he, you know, tends to, you know, get along with with people better, you know, but they like they all change, but they kind of maintain core aspects of their like personalities.
0: I agree with that. Yeah.
1: yeah, I would agree. What about that bully though? Yo, that bully. Yo, sucked, but what's the, his oh
0: name? Tyrell. God. Fuck Tyrell. Yeah. <laughs> was it Tyrell? It was Tyrell. It was
2: like or really. Tyrell. Yeah. Oh, Tyrell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Just like the way that he was. Forcing hyper-masculinity, that the game of knockdown, stay down. It, it, it's just, it was weird watching that sort of game of, game, quote unquote, right, of violence. And the way that Kevin was so not into it felt like he had to go along when they were sitting at, for me, the the, the part that was the most striking wasn't actually the fight
1: no it's the table it was
0: yeah sitting at the table kevin sitting by himself doing his thing and then this becomes pushed on him these expectations
1: and it's it's also to me fascinating watching this teenage bullies like i don't know machinations <laughs> which are crazy obvious to us as viewers but, but like feel real because teenagers are dumb a lot of the time
2: and also, I mean, the way he like if Terrell had told Chiron, you need to, you know, knock Kevin until he's down, like it wouldn't have worked because Chiron has never been part of the in crowd. Like,
0: mm-hmm. you know, he
2: would have uh, like, but the fact that he picked Kevin to do that also, I felt was significant because Kevin was sort of in like an in-between place.
0: Sort of so. like a socialite that switched between groups.
1: I don't know, I like how the movie doesn't feel the need to explain the environment or the premise, which I feel like a lot of black movies that feel like they're aimed at white people do. When you watch some movies that are quote unquote black movies, though a lot of them are written or directed by white people, Mm -hmm. whenever you have spaces that are black, they can often be shown in a way that's... Like they're introducing those spaces to the audience,
0: oh yeah, Everything no, every space is treated normal, every space
1: is just treated like, yeah, just you know th- of course, this is where they live,
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: shown just like a neighbor like a small town neighborhood in an eighties movie would be shown
0: that was that's actually a really good catch. I think because it's not like, oh, ooh, spooky. They're in like the hood or whatever. And like, there's a trap house or whatever. It's like, no, he's driving to a place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is where people live. It lacks spectacle. Like, it doesn't Uh, make a big deal out of it in that way.
1: Yeah. And it leaves all the spectacle for the characters and the visuals of. The people, I guess. Like, Mm -hmm. everyone's skin looks so good.
0: It looks so good. Oh, the scene that rocked me too was when uh, Chiron's like in his teen years and uh, he's walking through the hallway and he's center frame and he is both like the darkest person in the frame and folks are moving around him and he looks both wayfish. And powerful in the same scene.
1: I, I loved the scene where Juan is teaching. um Well, little at that point, like mm-hmm. how to swim, just, I mean, how it's shot is like, beautiful. <sighs> yeah. And it's such a, such a moment of like kindness and beauty
0: mm-hmm.
1: and a calm before the rest of the movie. And I guess that sort of mm-hmm. water motif threads its way through. Like, yeah, That's how uh, Sharon calms himself.
0: As he begins to plunge himself in ice water. Yeah, yeah,
1: or he, like, makes a hot bath with boiled stove water. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah.
0: I was actually looking online, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but there's a lot of people who hate Kevin. Holy crap. There's a lot of people who hate Kevin. Why? What? It seems like people hate him, not just because well, in part because of the fight, right?
2: Sure. Um, yeah.
0: But also in part, it seems like it seems like biphobia. I get biphobia vibes from it, but it seems like they wanted him to like come out earlier or felt like he was like lying about his attraction during the teen years. Huh, I see. Hmm, yeah, that's which not... to me strikes me as biphobic, but whatever. Yeah,
1: because that's certainly not what I got from the scenes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is just me looking at comment sections in different sure, places. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah,
1: No, that's like that's a good viewpoint because that's not something I've seen at all. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I saw yeah. like articles about it a little bit, but really? yeah,
1: Yo, you got a sense of those to me for real, though.
0: Sure, comments and just like a couple articles.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I, I mean, I don't even know if they'll get together at the end of the movie. Like, I like that that's not. It's necessarily not necessarily the ending. Yeah, it's just him opening up for the first time, you know, ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, uh, also we watched fucking Argo.
2: <laughs> Argo, fuck yourself.
0: <laughs> nice one.
2: Right, thank you.
0: Yeah, Yeah, we did, in fact, also watch Argo, which is not the same as watching Moonlight, in fact. (laughs) Yeah. That's a kind of interpretation.
1: Very different movies. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're going for Moonlight, a movie that is almost entirely headed and created by black people. Like, the music and... uh, The music was so good. Brad Pitt is one of the executive producers, and they're, like, the only major white people um, or noted white people involved in the movie. And then you get to Argo. Are there any black people in Argo? No,
0: I didn't see any in the background either. Yeah. Which I mean, checks out black people existed that. in the seventies though. They Not did. The CIA <laughs> did like, but there, there had to be at least one movie.
1: black guy. Yeah, yeah. There probably were a few.
2: I didn't see anyone in the background or
0: at least sure. like a black typist lady. Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> it's embarrassing
2: or yeah, even like yeah. on set switchboard on set.
0: Yeah, There's nobody. It was super common to have female typists. There weren't even a lot of females in the FBI or st- office. Or no, CIA
1: well, office. We see, yeah, we see very we see like two CIA sets and one of them is like an internal analyst room and the other is like a boardroom. We see not a lot of the outside world and yet no black people. No way. I don't think any
2: Hispanic people either.
1: Mm-mm. I mean,
2: uh um, well, in real well, life, I
1: think character is
2: Hispanic. Well, his last name is Mendez.
1: Yeah, well in real <laughs> life it was it was a controversy because the character, the real person is Antonio Joseph Mendez mm-hmm. and he does not identify as um, as Hispanic, but <laughs> you know, he, he he's he, I mean, he is uh, so anyway. Anyway, so this was our second viewing of Argo. Ian, had you seen Argo before?
2: I saw it once in theaters and I thought it was a fine movie. <laughs> I believe I was 16 years old, maybe no, 15. It was 2012, right? So I was 14 or 15. Really awesome. I was like an I was like a freshman in high school.
1: Mm-hmm. That was about the same time I saw it.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I
0: thought it was fine.
2: Yeah, it was
0: fine. Did you ever think you'd be seeing it again?
2: No. I did. I thought like, oh, like sure. Like, I still think there's a strong possibility that like someone in my family owns it. I was like, oh, like, you know, someone in my family will buy a, a DVD and we'll watch it over Christmas or something.
1: Wow. What a great Christmas movie.
0: Uh, yes, absolutely. Argo.
2: Just really brings out the holiday spirit. I w- You know what? Next time. Next time my family meets together for Christmas, I'm going to suggest we watch Arco and see what happens. My grandmother will say yes because they mention U.S. uh, foreign policy like evil. And everyone else will say yes because I don't know. So
1: I liked it less this third time I've seen the movie, I got to say. I liked
0: it less the second time I've seen the movie. You don't. I'm really
1: excited to watch this um, potentially 80 more times.
0: Did the Oscars
2: exist in silent movie times?
1: I mean, yes, but I don't know if I don't know if we'll get that far back.
2: That'd be really fun. But anyways, <laughs> yes,
1: yeah. But uh, Argo. So, Ian, what did you think of Argo this time?
2: I mean, it's all right. Like, I don't think it's a bad movie, but it's not like I'm a big I fan
1: of of Ian continually like <laughs> just saying the concept of the podcast out loud.
0: I
2: really like it. so it's so among academy award winners i'd consider it about average like
0: okay. right down the middle <laughs>
2: really?
0: just the baseline you know uh, the prime meridian yeah you know that's a
2: the that's a fun equator concept, yeah
0: uh like you do something with that i think
2: in general they don't deal w- like they don't raise tension in a in an effective way some of the dialogue is kind of witty. I mean, Alan Arkin's great. Go
1: fuck yourself.
2: Alan Arkin's great. I mean, like uh, I love Alan, Alan Arkin. Arkin.
1: Wonderful national treasure.
2: Um, <laughs> that's a reference
1: for you, for you other podcast boys out there.
2: Yeah. But you know, generally not effective with tension and considering it's a movie that should, that should be effective with tension given its plot. Like that's kind of, kind of well, not good.
1: We talked about this like a little bit, um, during the viewing, because um, they weren't there at the viewing, but okay. we have
2: a recording now, so we can reference we do. it.
1: Do we could reference it?
2: Yeah. And I remember when
1: you opened <laughs> five bags of chips. <laughs> I opened the-
2: one bag. It's a one large root eleven dill pickle chip bag.
0: I'm so mad.
2: You disgusted me. It wasn't even that close to the mic. It's like, you know,
0: <laughs> it sounded like it. Remember when I popped open my tuna? <laughs> oh, that's much worse. I'll give you that. Well, I noticed this
1: time. So, the movie has a lot of scenes and uh, elements that are just for context. Like as uh, as you two mentioned a lot, like the amount of scenes of people smoking, where the camera. <laughs> just focuses on that cigarette. Jamal, remember when you could smoke
0: inside? <laughs> and like
2: <laughs> Remember and when like... when smokes didn't look like USBs?
0: <laughs> <laughs> just and still shots of like cigarette trays and people smoking inside. Like usually when people smoke in a period movie,
1: I don't, you don't think about it after a certain point because it just becomes part of the setting. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like it ever really does in Argo. It just keeps happening and the camera keeps paying attention to it.
0: And the amount of times uh, that he's smoking and drinking and It just seems like so much attention is called to not only the fact that he's doing it alone, but also that he's sad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Straight up sad. Every time
1: they want to show that Ben Affleck is sad, he drinks and smokes in a bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) And one time he puts out a cigarette and a cake. Oh, my
2: God. I hope that cake is is
1: I think it did, Ian. Yeah. I don't think anyone ate the cigarette cake. You
2: no, know what I'm saying, like, I hope that the cigarette, you know, was actually put out in the cake and that it didn't burn the cake.
1: Well, definitely burn the cake. He put it yeah. out. It's like, like, the like, the burned.
2: You know, like, I hope the cake didn't, like, go on fire,
0: you know, <laughs> or start fire. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> But what really, okay, on another note, (laughs) what really did it for me was the corduroy. (laughs) It's the corduroy for me, folks. That's how I know it's the 70s. Tell (laughs) us about corduroy.
1: (laughs) Jess says loudly, oh, he's wearing corduroy. Now I believe it's the 70s. (laughs) Blew me away.
0: He's wearing a corduroy suit. There's a background character whose name I don't know because it's never mentioned. He's and a- he's just wearing a corduroy suit. And it knocked me. It knocked me all the way back to the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: you it was a different era. Like a $200 pair of corduroy pants
0: now? <laughs> Oh, my God, Macy's is selling corduroy pants for $130. For who? For who? That's so much (laughs) money. I I mean, corduroy's coming back, but it's not $130 coming back. Well, so what I was
1: going to say was part of what this viewing has sort of crystallized for me is the movie's context, it doesn't care about it all of its context is at the exact same level, regardless of the importance of said context. So to this movie, having (laughs) an opening that explains um, what's what's going on in Iran in 1980 is exactly as important as what Hollywood is in 1980 and not anymore. Like, The movie is fine with having a 20 minute detour into Hollywood (laughs) where nothing else matters. And it's just Alan Arkin and um, John Goodman (laughs) making jokes, (laughs) going to Richard Kine's office and being like, this movie's in turnaround.
0: No, it isn't. If I'm going to fake make a movie, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a hit. uh,
2: (laughs) Or Alan Arkin, like shitting on the, the, the Writers Guild guy.
0: Yeah! yeah. <laughs> Dude, which
2: like, why yeah. was that in there? Like, like
0: There was no reason. That. Like, oh, yeah.
2: if this, this were like a comedy, then you'd put that in there, but this, this is supposed to be like a serious.
1: This is a spy heist movie about people oh. seconds from death that has a 20 minute Hollywood comedy sequence. <laughs> And that's probably why it won an Oscar. Yeah. I just, but yeah, so like, since the context doesn't matter, a lot of elements of the movie feel gross when they might not otherwise. Like, the movie takes pains to go, hey, the Shah that we protected was bad, and America is eh, shaky moral ground on this one.
0: Kind of. Not even shaky because I realized that at the beginning of the movie, there's a guy walking down the hallway and he straight up says like, we did something bad. This wasn't good. In real life, uh, we were absurdly at fault, of course. Yeah, Um, and the guy literally admits it at the beginning. I missed that the first time?
1: Yeah, he does. Multiple times characters are like, well, maybe you know, we shouldn't have Protected and supported the Shah and sent him guns and let him kill his own people because he, like, helped us out. Was an ally in the region and oil. But in the actual movie, the opening scene, the embassy attack, right? Mm -hmm. There's a nice contrast between outside, very shaky cinematography, very harsh, scary. We're seeing the, the crowd build in intensity. Inside, sterile long held shots of people remaining calm even as tension rises until finally those two styles collide when the crowd rushes into the embassy the problem is when you show these at the same level and your context doesn't actually matter to the story what we're watching is a bunch of calm white people get overrun by a horde of angry brown people
0: Yep. Yeah. And the quick cuts for me, because I had watched Moonlight in part again before (laughs) going into Argo, (laughs) it felt, for me at least, like they were making the brown people look even more violent because Moonlight is full of these long, steady shots. Um, And then you move into Argo where it's all quick cuts, shaky cams where it seems handheld, like close, even the close ups are a little shaky, trying to ratchet up attention, which I think I wouldn't have felt as much if I hadn't watched what is the very steady feel of Moonlight right before.
1: Absolutely. And not to mention, I mean, Moonlight is this what is there, nine characters max in Moonlight? Yeah. Um, Nine named characters at the absolute most. And all of them are sort of explored, and it's this very almost play-like atmosphere. And then in Argo, this globe-hopping heist comedy thriller with 80 characters who I don't remember the names of, and none of them matter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we spent a Mm. lot of time... During this viewing, trying to remember who the embassy staff were who were hiding out. I think we got them all right. There's Joe and Kathy. And Bob, we love Bob. Okay, so that Joe, who's like a worry ward, and Kathy, who's his wife, and Mark. Oh, I don't know Mark. And and Cora, who's Mark's wife. And then Bob, who's fun.
2: <laughs> could be for the Bob. Bob's boss. the old guy who doesn't care anymore.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> Bob, Bobby boy! Is like, oh, let's drink. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to wear my tie with my shirt open. <laughs> Bob! Oh, that ruined me.
2: Bob is 100% going to the movie theaters in the middle of COVID. That's who Bob is. <laughs> <So>
0: that's Bob. <laughs> <laughs> He's what he's watched absolutely. Tenet like
2: three times In the last week
0: That's so apt
1: Bob is like I survived I survived Iran In 1980 You think a virus is gonna kill me And it won't but it will kill his wife <laughs> Does he Sorry, have Bob. a wife? No Not in the movie I mean like now
2: Oh no. Oh gotcha yeah.
1: Anyway, Bob wore his uh, collared shirt open with the tie around his neck. Like, tied around his bare neck.
0: <laughs> what? What's wrong with you, Bob? That, mmm. He's supposed to be the director of a movie. He's supposed to be in disguise. Bob is the, like,
1: the head of their embassy group. You let that freak leave you? <laughs> put your tie around your collar like a human
2: being i think the largest problem argo has and where most of its issues stem from is that they tried to cram absolutely every possible angle and like piece of information into a two-hour movie like at a certain point you have to choose whether you're going to focus in on characters like in the say in the Iranian Revolutionary Guard which could have been interesting or mm-hmm. whether you want to focus on the hostages or whether you want to focus on the intelligence officers or the Hollywood people yeah there's at least there's three or four movies here like like point. and they just try to do everything the one place they don't seem to put any effort into having real characters is like the Iranians which is a, a problem Um, so
1: i only realized this um this viewing but there mm -hmm. are no heroic or or positive iranian men no they're not Mm -hmm. the closest is um the culture the ministry of culture guy Mm -hmm. who is just kind of unhappy that it's not a foreign bride movie
0: yeah, he's he really wanted the movie to be like a rom-com about <laughs> cultural misunderstandings. That would have been so cute.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: he was so excited. He was so
1: happy. Yeah. But like there there's a couple of heroic or at least positive depictions of Middle Eastern women, but every Iranian man is dangerous and scary and like threatening.
0: Yeah. yeah. And even in when they're uh so so when they're in the market area and they're scouting for locations so to speak right uh the i still remember they zoomed in on two men wearing turbans and i'm like what is the point of this scene and then i'm like oh people were scared of turbans in 2012 (laughs) (laughs) that's terrible I was like why yeah. are they just looking at these two random men yeah.
2: or like the one cut where they showed like two Iranian women eating KFC was like <laughs> yeah what's the point of this like what is it besides just to say ooh that's weird it's it's just like
1: all of these sides that look look ooh Iran, Iran has modern elements it's 1980 and it's like you can't that doesn't matter to us that Actually, does nothing yeah. Jamal,
0: that brings back to what you were saying about Moonlight, uh, the spectacle of the location. Yeah, they show it to us as if it's not a regular place where people live. It's, yes,
1: yeah. yeah. The only place in the in uh, Iran in this movie that seems like a real area is the White Canadian Ambassador's house.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: We don't see anyone's houses. We don't see people doing things for fun. It's just this, cra- it's, it's as if it's some crazy location in an actual science fiction movie, but it's just, you know, a country.
0: It's just a country where people live and buy things and eat food. Well, and that, that
1: bizarre scene you mentioned, Jess is, is a really good example. Like, They're walking through this bizarre location scouting. One of the characters takes a picture and it angers uh, a shop owner. And he is getting up in the character's face, screaming, getting angrier. And tension is rising, right? Mm -hmm. It could be a riot building. Characters could be killed. And at some point, I think uh, Scoot McNary, the the one ambassador person who can speak Farsi Mm -hmm. is like, he's angry because his son was murdered with an American gun and it's like okay so this is your attempt at being even handed at like showing both sides mm-hmm. but we can't hear what he's saying like we can't read it we don't have subtitles for him he's just an angry screaming Iranian man who is a threat to our main characters yeah. Like the movie yeah. is very selective about when it translates farsi and it really only does it when the white main characters say something or when it is useful for the plot so there are a lot of characters that could be humanized if we knew what they were saying and we never are allowed to
0: and also it would have been interesting if you know they had a character like him who returned and showed up in another scene. Yes. So that way you maybe learn why they're angry in one scene. And then in the next scene, you see maybe the result of that, that or a deeper look at it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Or like we see this one, um, this one woman speaking for the student revolutionaries, the Iranian guard. And um, talking about their demands and sort of condemning America and as you were about to get into Jess it is contrasted with with a a read through of the script for Argo
0: which yep. is which i i mentioned it feels trivializing and kind of offensive and i don't think it was meant to be but it's still not how it comes across
1: absolutely i think and this is only speculation it's supposed to show look at these crazy like hollywood people and look at this real like real stuff that's happening outside that matters and isn't it crazy that this movie is going to matter to this geopolitical system isn't that wacky and it's like okay yeah but um You care about it, movie. These are equal to you.
0: Yeah, like the idea is halfway there. Like the idea of intercutting part of the script with part of this speech is not a terrible idea in itself, but you have to put the weight somewhere and they're sharing equal time.
2: But also one thing... I wanted to put in here is I think that Argo would be better if 95 year old Jimmy Carter showed (laughs) up to play himself 30 years younger in the film. Like there's just a scene in, in the in the White House where there's a bunch of people talking about the hostages and then 95 year old Jimmy Carter, fresh from building a house for Habitat for Humanity, he's got his hard hat on still, is like playing the president and he's like yeah send send the movie guys in that would make the movie for me
1: just just um whoever i think it's Kyle Chandler and like like Brian Cranston walk into the the Oval Office we've got a plan for you and it's just he's like 99
0: like <laughs> yeah
2: <sighs> yeah although honestly i'd also be really happy if Jimmy Carter were just in Kevin's diner at the end of the movie just like sipping on a <laughs> tea in the corner i think just seeing uh-huh. Jimmy Carter 95 years old in a movie I think that Generally I just want to see that
1: <laughs> You're just into Jimmy Carter
0: Yeah that yeah. sounds like Yeah I mean hey
1: power to you It's a vibe yeah. And power to Jimmy
2: I was Honestly. raised being told like Jimmy Carter put solar panels on the White House And Reagan tore them down for no reason So like I think that has something To do with why <laughs> Is that true Yes it's true you can look what? it up Really?
1: Action yeah, seven. Jimmy
2: like during cuz there, you know, there was the oil crisis. Uh the countries we had screwed over didn't want to sell us their oil anymore uh for cheap. Um and so he like, you know, wore a sweater and sipped tea in the White House and told people, you know, to like cut down on their energy usage and then he put solar panels on the White House. That's awesome. And then Holy Reagan shit. was all like, "No, America, screw you." That's dumb. And then he just took him off.
1: Reason yep. number 2000 to hate Ronald
0: Reagan.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Just <laughs> add another tally to that uh, long list. Mm-hmm. Ian, you said something really good. You were talking about the sound design of Argo mm-hmm. and the sound design of Moonlight.
2: Was I? Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, Argo's sound design was just kind of like all over the place. Like they, it was like really loud at some points, and overbearing. Like, I don't um, know, just... and then That we'll is a
1: of, great point, because yeah. the mixing is trash. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of movies have this problem, because sound mixing an entire movie is really hard, and time-consuming, and expensive. However, when you don't, you get a situation where gunfire is really loud, and typing is really, really loud.
0: And it's the <laughs> same and- level of loud like I couldn't tell if they were trying to remind us that it's the '70s again and that they're using typewriters, or if it was a mistake.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. let's just be glad no one opened a bag of chips. <laughs> Shut
0: up! Get out of here! Oh my god! Not a single person opened a bag of chips on Mike during our watch of Argo. You, no, you one. can't
1: Never. gaslight me. Okay, this is not okay. <laughs>
2: Ah, uh, it doesn't exist. You know, I have my own audio recording, so I could just delete that part. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'd like, listen to it and just be like, ah, don't do that. <laughs> there be and nothing
0: out. happens.
1: Yeah, I mean, we also have your audio recording.
2: Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's
1: uh, you Plan know, so good to roll. Oh. You fool. We've outfoxed you. <laughs> Like, Tony Mendez and the Iranian guard. I'm crying. No, but you're totally right. Uh, Also, the music is weird. Like... Yeah. There's a lot of um, low, low Iranian women singing.
0: I don't know. It feels like it's in random places. I don't know. Moonlight had a very, I feel like, specific aesthetic of this, like, classical music. Behind quiet well, scenes.
1: Absolutely.
0: And the classical music played loudly. And I thought that that was really awesome. Uh, like no characters are speaking. And then the classical music blares. And then you move to Argo. And you have these Iranian women singing low. And at, at whenever. Just whenever.
1: It, it's weird. So Nicholas Bretel does the music for Moonlight and he's great. He does a lot of really classical, like, his elements are classical and rap. That's where he pulls his inspiration. Hit. And it's great mm-hmm. in Moonlight and in, um, he does Succession. It's wonderful. The music for Argo is Alexander Desplat and, like,
0: he's been good, but, he, but he's not here. He's what has he done music for before?
1: Um, well, he's won two Oscars for his music on Grand Budapest Hotel and Shape of Water.
0: Okay, I, I love uh, Shape of Water, for the record. The point is, he's
1: really good and he sucks here.
0: Yeah, I mean, you go on the two Oscars, my guy. But anyways, our
2: recurring bits...
1: Well, we have a couple of recurring bits, uh, one of which we started last week and a couple that uh, we're starting this week. So, Jess, um, I think every week we should choose our a, ca- a character that we loved and a shot that we loved. Because we need to find new things to focus on in this dumb, long movie that we have to watch a lot. Ian, we'd love if you joined us. Do you have a shot or a character or both you'd like to talk about?
2: This probably isn't an original opinion, but I, I just, I just love Alan Arkin.
1: I mean, Alan Arkin. Come on, National Treasure.
2: Dear God, I think my second viewing of Argo. I, I think he was the like sole source of joy for me in that second viewing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like i knew alan arkin from two movies as a kid get smart and argo and boy does he not disappoint
2: like i don't even know if it fits in with what they were trying to do with the movie but it's very entertaining and i love alan yeah. arkin and if it wasn't That's supposed to did. be for this movie to plop out his performance and stick it in another movie you know Honestly. i'd love to watch him and john
0: goodman like shoot the shit in a hollywood comedy that'd be great it would be phenomenal, and it was good here. It just felt a little displaced.
1: <laughs> At one point, Alan Arkin—no, it, it John Goodman—I think—says that they've got to make the movie real because the co maniacs, which is what he calls the <laughs> the Um the Comaniacs maniacs have cousins who sell rugs on La Brea, and they'll know if the movie's not real. That's gross a gross thing to say it's terrible i don't like it john goodwin jess did you have a character you'd like to highlight
0: uh i mean character joe shout out to my boy joe and shout out to my g in the corduroy suit
1: (laughs) wait wait who's joe remind me of joe
0: joe is the character who is his opinion is always convenient to the plot, so he starts off um, as sort of being oh dirt not Joe dirt. Ah, I'm talking about Bob. Oh, you're talking about Bob?
1: Okay, okay.
2: okay. Ain't that just everything in a nutshell?
1: I'm talking about Bob. Yeah, who starts my, the yo. movie not wanting to run, and by the end is like what?
0: Yep, he starts off... Like, I don't not I'm not gonna leave. This place is I can't. I just wanna go outside and smoke. Why can't I leave? I'll get killed. I don't care. And then <laughs> and then at by the end, you know, he's just like, Let's drink, we're gonna leave, we're safe, man. It's all good. This is the ball game. And then shout out to the background character in the corduroy soup. Because honestly, rocket, you know? Shout out to the costume <laughs> designer.
1: <laughs> oh, that's really good. Um, I, I might also have to give it to Bob this time. I mean, there's no problem with repeating shots or characters, nope. but... Um, he was a highlight.
0: He was Bob, a joy. Yeah,
1: just My his boy. psycho, stupid tie and him being <laughs> like, Yo, we gotta drink all this booze before tomorrow when we could die in an airport. <laughs> Um, <sighs> there was one shot where it, it's, it's uh, a long shot looking at Tehran and the sun comes, starts to come up over the city. And it's just this really pretty shot of the city of Tehran. It's one of the only times um, any uh, Middle Eastern thing in the movie looks uh, pretty or cool.
2: Oh, yeah. I remember that shot now. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That was it's a really, really pretty good. shot
1: yeah yeah either of you of a shot that you loved
2: I was a fan of a fucking <laughs> like a Minotaur monster movie scene
1: no
2: I like very different shot but <laughs> it's fine it, <laughs> it was just it was so absurd it's just like this guy with a minotaur mask on and then he was getting injected with something and he was like, ah, and like, I don't know. It was just a weird shot. Like early sci-fi. I liked that shot.
0: It was good. It was funny. I like, I remember the lady like yelled at him for moving or something. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Um, For me, favorite shot was they had the kids in the embassy like putting together the shredded pieces of paper the shredded files to try to put together the pictures of the diplomats mm-hmm. and <laughs> just like seeing those repeated shots of these kids in this room putting together those photos and there was something about the way the camera pans up when they finally get the image of one of the diplomats and like the kid, like he's looking down at the like mostly put together photo and then he hands it up or whatever. Just something about that, like it like it it was framed like this momentous like event that had been built up to, but it just made me laugh. Because really, there was only like one line that mentioned it earlier. Yeah, Yeah.
1: it's set up, but it really doesn't. It's not there.
2: And all three of those shots that we just mentioned were in the same uh, movie.
0: (laughs) That's the real joke. (laughs) That is the
1: real joke. That is the real joke. So, Argo.
0: Argo. There it is. In a nutshell. Argo K.
1: So does Moonlight pass or fail the Argo rule?
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. <laughs> oh, that's oh. a
2: cool, No, what? <laughs> we, have to, we have to answer the question. No,
0: we don't. No, we don't. The answer is too obvious.
2: No, but like we got to spell it out for the folks at home.
0: Okay, let's spell it out for the folks at home. Moonlight and Argo. So, Jamal, Ian, do you guys feel like Moonlight is... (laughs) How do you feel Moonlight stands against the Argo rule? Hmm.
2: Hmm, That's, um, let me just, uh...
0: Does Moonlight stand up against the Argo rule?
2: Well, I just need to, uh... Need to uh, do do some quick uh, notes here. Just uh,
1: like <laughs> carry the
2: carry so. the five factorial uh, <laughs> polynomial uh, polygon polygon Oculus Oculus Rift. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think specific um,
1: grim. Just do this quick algorithm. Let me just hold on. Let me just uh,
2: Cosine. Espresso Dobio. Uh, I think I think Moonlight is uh the better movie.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm gonna have to agree uh in that Argo is uh whatever getting worse and Moonlight's fantastic. I'm gonna have to say Moonlight does
0: pass the Argo rule substantially. <laughs> And I'm going to have to agree with you both. Moonlight definitely passes the Argo rule. Wow. (laughs) What a mystery. Never could have guessed. Never. Never Never. could have guessed.
1: Wow. Well, Ian, thank you so much for joining us uh, (laughs) on our second (laughs) episode of the Argo rule. Um, Is there anything you'd like to plug? Anything you're working on or you want to tell people about?
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm, uh, I'm working hard to, uh, to get some new episodes of, uh, Hating No Wait out.
1: Huh, Ian, what is that?
2: Uh, Hating No Wait is a podcast (laughs) that I think if you liked this podcast, you would like the other podcast. There's some, there, in the Venn diagram, the middle includes, uh, some of the same hosts as well as, uh, the general entertainment. Um, focus, value, and focus. Well, that
1: sounds like a wonderful opportunity for our listeners. Now, what is what is Hate No Wait?
2: Hate No Wait is a show (laughs) where Jamal, host Jamal Barringer, and guest hosts discuss cultural items from 2008 and discuss whether whether they have held up to the scrutiny of today and whether they have aged well. Um, there is currently, as of the recording of this podcast, there's currently one episode out. For the Incredible Hulk, which I encourage you to go watch. It's a real hoot. Uh and there are more coming out soon, including one about uh Casino Royale, the uh or not That's Casino. Not Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> the movie I wish we reviewed.
0: <laughs>
2: Quantum of Solace. It is actually about Quantum of Solace. My apologies.
0: What a great plug. Wow. <laughs> yes, eight
2: and oh eight. You should definitely go watch that.
0: And you can find me on social media at JessTheRemix on Instagram and Twitter. And Jamal, where can they find you? Well, uh, as Ian said, hosting Hate No Wait. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening to the Argo Rule.
2: All Systems Argo, I fucking, I fucking hate you guys. Why did you do this to me?
0: Hey listeners, it's Jess. I hope you enjoyed the Moonlight episode of All Systems Argo. We certainly enjoyed making it. <laughs> I want to take the time to thank our guest and producer, Ian, for dealing with our antics. The next episode will be out this time next month. And in the meantime, keep an eye on our social media at the Argo Rule, because we might have some more content coming your way. All Systems Argo was edited and processed using Alitu and GarageBand. The music in this episode was "Aim to Stay by William Ross. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.